and welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Deister. And if you could please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help us and let us know how we're doing with the show. And we really love to hear feedback from you. But this week, we have Eric Morley. And he is quite an interesting fellow. We're going to be talking a little bit more about advertising. And I'm pretty sure everybody wants to know what advertising is going on this year as well as next year and beyond. But he is the co-founder of Blue Sea, which is one of their major thing. He also helps out Wing with California Love Drops as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about that too because it's a really cool thing. But welcome to the show, Eric. Hey, thank you, Brett. I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, definitely, you know what, I've actually been following your podcast for quite some time now and really like what you got going on and Definitely an honor to be a guest of it. So thanks for bringing me on. Of course. And as the first question asked, all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? You know what? That's a good question is I'm a coffee drinker in the morning. As soon as I go to bed at night is I set that pre-mix on it. That's going to go off at 5.30, get my grab cup of coffee, kind of like oozed into the morning, kind of get it going, have a couple of cups of coffee, get into the office, have another cup of coffee. We've got the pods now. So since we're kind of a remote right now, we've kind of transferred to the pods before it'd be like the full cup of Stumptown. So it's actually between Stumptown and Thunder King. We kind of went back and forth. I'm a huge fan of both. I love Thunder King because they are Costa Mesa based. So you know what? It all works out good. But right now it's Dunkin' Donuts when they come to the office. So, and then, you know, you mentioned tea and you know what? Love doing the the tea in the afternoon, the cold tea, and it just uh, it's pretty good. So, caffeine, there's no lack of caffeine at Blue Sea. So, how about yourself? Are you a coffee or tea guy? I'm technically both, but I'm also a barista who also worked with Stumptown. Yeah, a while ago, before they were bought out by Pete's. Right. So, the old school Portland. Have you been to the old the Stumptown place in Portland? Unfortunately, no. I mean. I learned about their history, about why it was called Stumptown is because that back then when Portland was being built, they cut down all the trees and that's why they call them Stumptowns because all there was left was stumps. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's one. And then the hairbender yeah. is basically because they bought the saloon where or hair product where they were actually going to be making their coffee and they hit a big, huge sign that says hairbender and that's why they're it's called the hairbender. Gotta love it. That's great. You know what? I, I definitely have the idea. I've been rummaging, rummaging it back in my, forth my mind about doing our own Blue Sea Bold coffee. Might come out soon. like to do a Christmas blend this year, so holiday blend. So It could be interesting. I think you can find some on-demand companies that will actually make roasts for you. Oh, no. I've already got the coffee. I, I've already got, I got it ready to go. So All right. Well, hey, I mean, if you got the coffee, you might as well flaunt it. Exactly. Yep. Good. Anyways. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about what you do and also what Blue Sea actually does as well and kind of advertising background and PR background that you actually have? Sure. So Blue Sea was started in 1998. We started it with the vision of becoming a better agency, really focusing on a creative product, creating campaigns. Back in 98, our first client was 13 casinos in Las Vegas. Our second client was Absolute Vodka. And basically, we were kind of like gamblers that drank a lot. It kind of was that whole mix. And so it started there. I have a 
got a business partner in the business, which his name is Jeff Bentley. Uh, so we, we share 50-50 here. And he's he's been my partner since 1998. So most marriages don't last past three to five years. We've been going ever since and been having a lot of fun at it. So throughout the whole time, our agency has changed from being a traditional advertising agency to becoming more of a brand strategy agency, but then also a marketing communications agency, and then an activation agency and a content development agency. So we've kind of become a hybrid of agencies and it's uh, it seems to be working. And it's interesting because we've always been a brand strategy agency for the last 10 years. We used to do about two to three brand strategy initiatives for clients on a yearly basis. We've created this thing called Brand Power Clarity. And Brand Power Clarity is really interesting because it actually creates clarity in the messaging, clarity in the brand, a complete clarity in marketing and branding and every aspect possible. That way they can actually deliver it, this package, to their PR firm. So the PR firm knows exactly what the messaging is to their other vendors and so forth. We've done 28 of these since the beginning of 2020. So it's actually hot demand and been really lucky to have this program. So, All right. That's quite a bit. So you're basically just not just advertising, but a whole bunch of different stuff all rolled into one. So if customers actually need more than one thing from you, they actually have different types of avenues that can go with you. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, Brett, because we've one of the things I really believe is that a firm, a creative marketing agency, can't just sell creative now. We have to have systems and strategies to help clients get to where they need to go. So one of the things we focus on is a platform. We call it Brand Power, and there's five systems that fall underneath Brand Power. The first one is Clarity, which is kind of brand strategy and positioning. And then we have Infusion, which is the marketing strategy and activation. And then we have Engage, which is basically kind of the creative concept development, creative campaign development, what the campaign is going to visually look like. And then we have Integrate, which is digital marketing and sales strategies. How are we going to do lead flow? How are we going to collect leads? How are we going to bring leads in the system, nurture, and so forth? And then we have Ignite, which is social media management and content marketing. So each of those five systems, the Clarify, the Infuse, Engage, Integrate, and Ignite, fall underneath brand power. Some clients just come for our Engage product. Was like They've already got their brand together. They just need the creative campaign development. For example, you know, you mentioned Wing of Wahoos. Well, first of all, who's not to love Wahoos? But they come to us for our Integrate system and our Ignite system. That's what we do there. So, and then beginning of the year, we always start on Engage, which is their new campaign development for the year. So they've already got their brand figured out, so they don't need clarity on that. They don't, they've got their marketing strategy already figured out. It's just the execution at that point. So Okay. And we're speaking about more digital advertising, but advertising in general, how has the, that industry pivoted in 2020? Because we've seen a lot of industries going, well, we can't do that anymore. Let's go over here. Oh, no. That's a change, Brett. It's all the same. <laughs> you know, in 2020, 2020 was like a, a skateboard just going across the street, and then it got halfway through. Do you remember when you when you first got your very first skateboard? 
and you were so excited about it. You had no clue what you're doing. You're zipping down the road. You got that groove on, and all of a sudden you hit that rock. That's what 2020 was, and you just say, you just spill it all over the place. So to your question is, it's like pivoting. Absolutely. Is I think it's the biggest challenge is that how do we connect with people that there's no events anymore, and especially in the B2B market, which I know on your agency is you're really focused on the B2B, which is primarily person-to-person sales, events, and trade shows. Well, that's gone. So you have to rethink how you're going to do it. A lot, and what we're doing is brand storytelling now, is taking that story, integrating into different storylines, and then executing them out and distributing the content out. So it's always like, what is the problem we're trying to solve? And how are we going to do it? Like super cool. So that's kind of what where we're based on right now is the storytelling is very important. The clarity and the message is very important. And really just being is like consistent. And this even kind of goes back to my discussions with Val through the years. It's like, you know what is a brand that has no consistency and just peaks and valleys and when they're doing things is seen exactly like that. But if you have a consistent brand that's got a consistent PR push out there, consistent marketing push out there, a consistent play in that market, and their message is clear and is connecting with you, those are the kind of companies I want to buy from. I mean, we talked about the coffee. Is You look at the leader, Starbucks. It's Starbucks is no matter what, when I go to Starbucks for my cafe mocha, they always ask me the same thing. Do you want whipped cream on that? I always say no, but the taste is exactly the same. And it, it's that brand promise that you're expecting. So consistency is so important. And and I think even that is when you kind of touched in the beginning part about the California Love Drop is that's the reason why the California Love Drop is so fresh, exciting, and I call it kind of raw and sacred because we've been consistently doing it. Last Saturday was our 200th drop, over 20,000 meals. More monster energy than I've ever seen in my life, more hint waters than I've ever seen in my life, more yogurt land than I've ever seen in my life. It just keeps on going with that consistency. So. But it also seems like Wing and everybody else, including you, that's a part of it, yeah. it was basically mm-hmm. solving a problem, a big problem. Well, for a lot of people, I think Wing is really transparent about this is in two days through 60 stores, he lost 85% of his business. So if you put that in perspective is you look at your paycheck, pretend like 85% of it went away and you're only left with that 15% sliver. Okay. How are you going to pay your bills? At that point, you have to make a decision. A lot of businesses didn't make that decision and said, okay, we're going to ride this thing out. But I'll always remember Wing is, I remember it was in April. He called, it was a Friday. It was four o'clock. I was thinking like, what am I do for dinner tonight? He calls me up and he says, hey, Eric, um, we're a little shorthanded today. Can you help out delivering some meals with me? It's like, you never say no to Wing, first of all. You never know where that adventure is going to go. You just roll with it. And so I met him down at his Wahoos and we delivered 300 meals to Hogue Hospital Irvine that night. 
And it was really interesting. He uh, we got there and there was only two people working at the Wahoos. And I said, Wayne, how are we going to deliver? How are we going to make, how are we going to deliver 300 meals? He goes, don't worry, you'll find some friends. So I called some friends. We got four more friends there and we made the burritos, wrapped them up, got them and delivered them. And it was a success. So that's how things kind of work and fold and make magic happen. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about like content delivery systems, like you did prior to the question and plus with less people interaction, mostly just virtual, like we're doing and virtual events kind of suck right now. They still, people still haven't figured out how to do them well enough. So how, how do you deliver those messages? If you can't do people to people, do you do like video ads? Do you do more live streaming? Do you do podcasts? Like how do you shift from the actual seeing people to still trying to find that personal touch digitally? That's the $66,000 question. You figure that out and you will be a millionaire. But we, we use a cheating process here and it goes back to our clarity system is we, we really define who that customer persona is and we really kind of try to dig deep into their lives. And typically is that we'll have several different customer personas in a particular product or service or whatever we sell. For our clients and the idea is, is that if we can figure out what each of them each of the medias they consume works then we've kind of hit a home run i'm super excited about some of the social medias out right now i'm also a huge proponent of drip campaigns i'm crazy enough one of our biggest requests during the pandemic was tv We've been able to figure out a way of getting clients on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News, 330-second spots in a zone in Orange County, which is a pretty big zone, or a series of zones, for less than $5,000. So I always, you know, the whole history is, is people say, gosh, if you're, if you're on TV, you've made it. And the other thing is, is that people think it's like, well, it's really expensive to be on TV. We've figured out a way to make it inexpensive, but say originally people, I, I ask like, how much do you think a TV spot is? They say, oh, around $3,000. So if a company buys two spots, that's $6,000. They're going to play two spots and it's not going to have any impact. It's kind of almost like throwing money in the middle of the road and, or just giving it to you, Brett, and letting you have fun with it. But now if you've got that frequency of 300 spots pounding month to month on it, and going for it and creating that story and that message and really a clear messaging, it just works. So that's a comp- product that we created called Blue Fire. And why does it work when everyone's saying do social, do social, do social, or do online, do digital? We still believe in online. We still believe in digital. But the challenge is, is that if you're anything like me, if you're looking at social, is you're, you're looking at these different messages and it is just, you, you have a fraction of a second. At the end of the day, you might look at a, a real attractive message for three seconds. It's got to be like extraordinary or it's got, it's got to be something that has interest for that day. And, but you're also thinking about other things is you're looking at all the ads that pop in there. You might go, you might go down this rabbit hole, go down this rabbit hole. 
the value of TV is you've got 30 seconds. The people aren't going anywhere unless they're going to leave that TV or leave that device. So to me is if you could actually, ultimately what we tell our clients is get the most mediums possible. But the other thing is, is that I do love social, but understand is that social is, is that if you've got a, a galaxy of say 12,000 people, so that's your fan base, you're going to get crimped down. You're only going to deliver it to five to 600 people. Out of those five to 600 people, you're hoping that they're viewing right now on it. So you always have that concern. Is it worth all this time to get that effort? Probably not. But if you take your media from here, that really captures attention and cut it down for social across all the channels, then it's that value add. If you're going to buy sponsoring ads and you know advertising on social, it's definitely strong. Um, we do a lot with YouTube and pre-roll for YouTube right now because I can really get your attention based upon what your particular interest is, and I'm going to capture you there. So my thing is, is that going back to your original question is, is that is it change? How are we connecting and so forth? I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the virtual trade shows. I mean, thumbs up for trying, but I lose interest. It doesn't have that same pizzazz. Webinars, I think, are overplayed unless it's something that is really, you're really tied in for that attention on it. Virtual meetups didn't really do it for me. I think it's the, the biggest challenge is, is that what works, the Zoom works, but it's kind of funny. It's like half the time is large part of my passion is helping the next generation through mentorship. So throughout this whole time is we've done a lot of schools uh, doing speaking in classes, virtual classes, and so forth. But it's always interesting is like you'll see people like dozing off on it. You'll, you'll see like half their face on it and half them doing something else. And so is that effective? Maybe, maybe not. I truly believe in podcasts. I truly believe in blogcasts. I truly believe in cutting that content down and utilizing it across your social platforms to create notoriety. And um, I'm a huge proponent of email. So kind of that was a long and the short of your, your question there. So hope I answered it okay. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you say that because it seems like every year these social media campaigns seem to cost more than they did in the beginning where everybody's like, you should do social. It's really expensive. Now it's like, well, it's right. really expensive because you may hit your target market. You may not, right. depending on the algorithms of the day. Exactly. I mean, what do you think? What do you think is, is working right now? I mean, I'm a huge proponent of PR. I'm a huge proponent of communications to the right message. Ads are really difficult, especially depending on the browser that you have, because like a browser I have really does just cut out all the YouTube ads. So I don't see any ads whatsoever. So it's an Opera one, Opera GX. It's like a gaming browser, but it has some interesting things. So you could limit your CPU usage. You can limit your RAM usage to it through the browser itself. You can clean it up. Now you can play music through it. So they're adding a ton of features and it's really feature full type of browser itself but it's made by opera but it's a gaming because gaming is a new thing to market right 
And I think if that if you pe- if people really niche down super deep, like just not on the peripheral side, but really deep and really connect with that social audience and that persona, and that's something that they absolutely positively want, then it works. But it's it's not a it's a challenge. Yeah, and we're just bombarded by ad messages as it is so we filter out because that's part of the human nature is we filter out what we want to see so we may say we only see like five ads a day but we probably see like 50 to 100 ads a day probably more than that 50 to 100 god I, I'm, I'm counting like five six thousand it's like where you're at but it's just you get blasted everywhere and that's always the biggest challenge is um on my side is i always encourage clients is Play the long game. Don't play the short game. Play the long game. Be consistent in what you're doing. Be active in that community. Be active in that ecosystem. And make sure you're doing stuff that while you're sleeping at night is impacting an audience. What do I mean by that is you need to do something that is that is consistent that you're not just bouncing from waking up one morning, posting something and saying that's going to save your life. Absolutely positively not making sure that your messages become campaigns and your campaigns become consistency and your consistency creates results on it. I'm a huge proponent of, you know what, if there's a media that you like is be a part of that media on an ongoing basis for that sector on. So you're known for that. And very, very, very important. Mm-hmm. So are we going to be seeing more of a resurgence on better TV ads since you talked about TV and actually how you can do it? So we're going to see more of that because people are watching more TV nowadays. It may not actually be cable TV, but it's some type of entertainment. And could we eventually be seeing like some yeah. ads for streaming services that allow that? Yeah. So we actually produce commercials for both. We have clients that are on streaming and which is the connected TV. And then we also have the cable. You got to think about who's our target audience. If I'm trying to reach someone that's 40 plus, I'm going to be more apt to find them on cable where it's like a spectrum or times or any of those. But if I go south of that, is those are the people that are cutting the cord and those are the people that have the connected TV. So if I'm looking for a younger audience, we go here. If I'm looking for a middle-aged audience, I go here. If I'm going 60 plus, I'm going here. And so it's always being creating the media that's most relevant. And it's kind of funny because we have these conversations here all the time. It's like, well, Advertising, marketing, PR used to be so easy. It was print, TV, radio, outdoor, trade show, PR. Okay, just fill in those boxes of your, create your big idea campaign and then fill it in and so forth. And you're done. You got it together. And that was the time when marketing departments were separate from sales departments, which were separate from the C-suite. Now the C-suite understands the importance of branding, marketing, messaging. So they're more involved in it. So they're overseeing everything nowadays. And it's going to get even tighter is that if a CEO 
doesn't understand marketing and is only focusing on fundraising, building the company, or building the products out, they're not going to be highly successful. The number one focus the CEO needs to have is marketing first and foremost. I mean, I, I look at leaders like a Steve Jobs, or let's talk about Elon Musk. I mean, what an amazing marketeer is and those are the people that lead the companies, no matter where the company is, because they believe in the marketing on it. And then again, we talk something close to our heart is Wing Lam. You know what? As a co-founder of Wahoo's, is that he is the face there. He's the one that's actually kind of led it, led that charge. So to answer your question, yes, yes, and yes. Are we going to see a resurgence of traditional print advertising? Probably not. I grew up in a print family. My background is my father was a printer. My mother was in direct mail. And so this was kind of a logical way for me to create a career for myself. And so, but those have changed. Do I see direct mail being successful today? Yeah. If it's part of a bigger idea, very important. Interesting. Because one of our guests actually, she said that she was excited to get mail because of well, 2020 and everything and saying that people are actually more excited to actually get the mail. But I think it's depending on what type of mail you're getting. Cause even I'm like, Oh, another bill or something like that. I mean, do you get excited when you <laughs> go to your mailbox and pull that mail out? I mean, some people just really want to have that human touch and we've all been longing a little bit more for like an extra human touch to it. So maybe figuring out doing direct mail with a little bit of extra human touch could help with the long-term campaign. I'm not really sure because it depends on the generation to me. Yeah, I know. Me too. It's like, oh, okay. It's, it's another box to check off of like what I have to accomplish today. Yeah. No, I always think it's a chore. Yeah. And then the second part of the chore is going to the trash can and filtering through it. So, you know, that's part two of, okay, what's actually something I want to read and what's something I don't care about. What's that shirt you have on? What is that? It's from Disney World a long time ago. It's a stormtrooper. It says pew pew. Oh, nice. I love it. Very cool. Yeah. It was, I think, three years ago I went to Disney World, so it's been a little while. Yeah. I had an interesting conversation the other day. Is I'm a huge fan of the Long Way Up TV. It was a, it's on Apple TV, and Ewan McGregor is on it, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I, I tried everything to get to have a conversation with him. And I had a call with him the other day. And interesting guy. I mean, just hearing all his Star Wars stories and the whole thing. And that was like 10% of the conversation. But this is Obi-Wan Kenobi I'm talking on the phone. So it was, a, it was a pretty amazing moment. But the gist of our conversation was focusing on future technologies and how electric transportation and alternative fuels will be the future. It was a real interesting conversation because it kind of led into the idea is not being a futurist, but the understanding is, is that three years from now, 50% of the gas stations will be gone. And you're looking at all the electric transformation going on now, how people are marketing their products is changing. And that was, that was kind of a big part of our conversation. I was like, wow, you really hit home on a lot of great points. So, mm, Yeah, it's quite interesting. So even from that perspective for electric cars, let's say, or even even alternative fuels or whatever it's going to actually be called, mm -hmm. 
how do people go? Let's say they're into industries. Let's say it's like someone from Tesla, for example. How would they go about doing that type of campaign? Would they be doing online and TV? Because I don't see very much TV ads for Tesla, to be honest with you. No, you don't. But the thing about it is, is that they know their audience so well. They know where that client persona is. They know exactly what they're reading. And it's kind of like there's a, a new truck company in Orange County Electric Truck. Well, let me backpedal a little bit. A big part of Blue Sea is electric transportation and sustainable energy. Is that's we've actually been working in that space for about 14 years now. And the key part that we're we're really focusing on is as of June is a new division, very specific called Blue Sea Electric. And Blue Sea Electric is going to be focused towards that. And it's about the marketing of how do you just exactly what you asked is how do I get to that person? And I look at this new company that's it's a electric truck company, just moved to Orange County called Lordstown, Lordstown Motors. They're gonna go head to head against Rivian. They're gonna go head to head against the Tesla Cybertruck. The truck looks really good. Cybertruck, I just I mean, I think that looks like a DeLorean, just in my opinion. Not saying DeLoreans aren't cool, but it's a whole different kind of vibe. But the what they're going to do is they have to prove, first of all, is it is it durable? Will it surpass my gas needs? Is it electric? And how well will it perform? So I just noticed today they're actually going to race in the score San Felipe 250 coming up to prove durability in Baja proven in Mexico and to race one of the toughest race courses in the world. And being able to prove that is no little feat. So that's a lot. And what we do is that we need to create the storylines and how you're going to do it, how you're going to experience it. And then once you've got that done, you can take that content out to the world. And no matter what, the other side is like, okay, you know, it does it here. This is great content to take into PR. So it can be PR and TV. PR and bloggers, PR and press, PR influencers, and so forth. So the media has changed, but if you really look back to like the 50s, 1950s, it was always about the message. And it was always about the positioning. It was always about the clarity, the simplicity of the message, how consistent it is, and really grabbing your eye quick. And the same thing's happening nowadays is that it's almost like advertising and marketing and brand has come full circle. But it's the magic of how that is communicated. You can go through the process and you know master the process, the whole thing. But if your outputs aren't good, forget it. I'm a huge proponent is, from a design perspective, is your identity and your logo has to say everything. But at the end of the day, is, is it there for eye candy? Is it just, oh, that's cute? Or is it there just to give your company some kind of identity? Or does it have a story behind it? And that's the most important part. So, mm-hmm. And speaking of more different ads, do you see companies going more after podcasting ads? Because every data that I've read for podcasting is that it's just going, trajectory is going up. I've been doing this probably for about six years. And when I was doing it, it started to go up. And now it's exploded 
because everybody wants to do a podcast because everybody thinks it's actually easy, which it's not as easy as you think it is. But do you see more companies going, oh, look, I can do pre-roll or mid-roll ads, which are the best for getting attention. Do you see more of that coming into the near future because it's a lot easier to do voice ads to a certain extent than doing a whole production of video and everything else? The future of podcasters is an open door. We did our first podcast, which really wasn't a podcast. It's like we recorded an MP3 and we posted it to a website and we back-ended it into a video so it actually played when people press click on it. But the idea is, is that they tuned into it every week because it was a very, very targeted audience. And if they didn't tune in, they would not be able to know what the information is to help them get to that next step in their hobby. And so my thing is, is that like a podcaster is like an A-level actor to people is if I connect with you, like I've been listening to your podcast for quite some time. And if you ran, if you had a sponsor that had that, an ad that went over and over on it, I would probably get very interested in wanting to learn more about that particular brand when I have a need for it. And so the first time you run that ad, like, okay, no need. Okay. Cute ad, cute ad, cute ad, nice sponsor. Okay. That's kind of cool. It did it. That's really cool. It did love it. Love it. Love it. Oh my gosh. I have a need now. It's taken me through the story arc to get me to the point that I absolutely positively have a need for it. And to me, podcasters are the future. Blogcasters are the future. Influencers are the future. Brand storytelling and experiences are the future. I remember when we used to do X Games for Monster Energy years ago, and we would go to X Games, and I'd go with one of their brand managers, and he'd carry a backpack. And the backpack would be full with $20 bills, just wrapped up $20 bills. And I would go, wow, this is kind of interesting. But he would sit there, and he would see who's performing the best. If that person didn't have a Monster Energy logo on it, he'd walk up to him and say, hey, you're doing really good. I'll pay you X to run a sticker on your helmet. I mean, this is way back. Why is that so important? Because he knows that person's going to get the TV coverage. And from that TV coverage, it is going to get more exposure. And so from that exposure, it's going to be multiplied on it versus just running a 30-second spot is, I think, one of the most brilliant buys recently on TV was the Super Bowl. A 30-second spot which were highly impactful. This year was pretty cool. I had some, definitely some winners and losers and was $5.5 million. But the halftime performer spent $7 million for 20 minutes of exposure for himself. That was a deal. I mean, he rocked it. His cost per minute went way down versus buying a 30-second TV spot. It was a brilliant buy. So you always have to look at that is how are you going to get? And then, of course, the day after, social blew up. They planted a lot of social, built a lot of conversations in there. And then, obviously, the TV built up on it. The radio talk in the morning, there's all that talk about the halftime performer and so forth. 
And so those are the kind of things that really make the difference. But it starts it always starts with a big idea, which a lot of brands want to do advertising, but they don't want to think of what that big idea is. It's just too easy to go through the process and execute versus starting with strategy first. Is here's where you're at right now. Here's where you want to go. How are we going to get you here? We do this, 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 this. But let's not even talk about the this is. Let's not talk about tactics yet. Let's talk about that strategy. So, Is it mostly because businesses don't want to do that because talking about strategy and finding that story arc for it would take longer than just doing one of those one and done type of ads? I think it's called patience and professional experience. And biggest challenges is that as marketers, is there's two kinds of marketers out there. There's classically trained marketers that have worked for companies that really understand the right way to go through the process. Or there's the person that is, oh, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do, go. And so the difference is, is that it's the level of thinking and it's the level of knowledge. And that's why we always start with clarity first is if we don't have a clear path, it's kind of like me giving you a map to go to Austin, Texas. Not that I'd send you to Austin, Texas today because what is it, zero degrees and snowed in and everything. But if I said, yeah, just go to Austin, Texas, you didn't have your phone with you. You didn't have a map. You just know you take probably the 15 freeway and try to head back through Vegas. Maybe you'll head through New Mexico. You have no idea. But if I can give you a map of how to get there, or if I can give you a GPS of how to get there, where you know exactly where In-N-Out burgers are so you can stop before you leave the California border, you're in business. But if you don't have a map and you don't have that clarity, what do you got? You're going to be just driving everywhere. It's going to cost you more and it's going to take more time. So with that being said is if you don't have clarity in your marketing, if you don't have clarity in your PR, is that you, it's going to take you more time and at the end of the day, it's going to cost you more. Mm-hmm. So how do marketers convince those businesses? Because I'm pretty sure it's one of those things where C-level units may understand it, but unless you convince them that, hey, we need to start to figure this out, we need to take a little bit more time in the, I guess, pre-production phase or at least the strategy phase of it, and then we can go and make this great campaign. How would you go and convince like the C-level people? Because those are the ones giving you the money, basically. Sure. And it kind of goes back is on the sea level is what is their commitment? We always ask right up front, are you 120% committed to this? We say that for a simple purpose is that if you're not 120% committed to it, it's going to waste your time and it's going to waste our time. And I don't ever want to be in that place where I'm wasting my client's time and not making it so they can actually reach their objective on it. And so to go to the question is, is like, it's got to be working with C-level people that have an understanding of what it really takes, not what it takes, what it really takes and what the long play is, as well as the short play versus just, we're trying to get this done. We're trying to launch this product. And it's kind of interesting because I, I am thinking back to several launches that we've done in the past and the vision wasn't there 
the products being shipped over here from China. It's on a boat somewhere in the middle of the ocean, but we don't have the product, but we're going to fake it with this product because we know it's coming. But then again, do we really know it's coming? And is it going to change by the time we get here? And you know what? That has a lot with product development and the whole logistics of everything. But at the end of the day is that it's got to become real. It's got to be dedicated effort and it's got to be focused and it's got to be measured and it's got to be cool. And I always talk about that is a big mantra that we have here is bold. Everything that we do has got to be bold because a company has one shot. I've heard this a million times and if I had a dime for every time I heard it, I'd probably be sitting on an island the size of Catalina, sipping my ties and having a good time. You've got one shot to launch your product. You've got one shot to launch your campaign. Is it the absolute very best? I look at I look at some of the Super Bowl spots, Miracle Girl. I don't know if you saw that one, where it was John Travolta and his daughter and had Kurt Busch in it, uh, had the guy from the office in it. And his daughter is at the end, she's they have, they have the phone there and she goes, oh yeah, dad, just press the red button. And they do a TikTok video of the Grease song. And it's like, okay, that was, they spent some time, they spent some cash, they did this well. And then they had all the cut downs afterwards and the PR the next day. Is that the difference in winning versus Miracle Grow? We got good dirt. It's like, okay, well, that's not the message you really want. You want to show the story and the experience and everything that goes along with it. And so, unfortunately, is that in our industry is that there's a lot of people that are naysayers, but there's also a lot of people that are going to go for it. And the companies that are going to go for it are going to be the successful ones. The successful ones have total clarity in where they're going they know that they need to ignite that brand faster and better than their competitors. Otherwise, they're going to be second place, which is pretty much the first loser. So, mm. And would it also be helpful to when to know if a strategy is going wrong and pivoting before you do anything, or should you just go with it? Even though, because you talked about well thought out, but sometimes it can go awry and be like, wait a minute, this isn't going in the right direction. Oh, I mean, you, you, you have, I mean, maybe it's going the right direction, but something changes in the world that all of a sudden is if someone's wearing a green hat in the commercial and all of a sudden the green hatters come out and they do a riot and they destroy a city, you gonna pull that commercial. Yeah, it happens. But then again, is the people that are running commercials, in like a national level, those are the one percenters. Those are the one percenters of the business. There's a lot of businesses that are very, very focused that are mid-sized businesses that they'll run commercials to show validity. Like, so we have tech clients that run commercials and on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, just show them very specifically to their shareholders that, hey, we've made it big. Because on our website is as seen on CNN, as seen on Fox, as seen on NBC. They don't spend a lot of money for it, but it gives them bragging rights to help tell their story. And then what they do is they take the commercial and they push it across all their other media. And it just works that way. So 
it's the thing is, is that you really have to think about, you know, kind of going back to what your goal, what is your big goal? What is your objectives? What is the strategies to reach the objectives and the tactics? Yeah. Yeah. And fun question for you. If you can make a killer software for the ad agency or ad industry in general, what would you make? Wow. That's a great question, Brad. There's so many great softwares, systems, SaaS systems out there for agencies. And they're all connected in one way or another. And I've seen them all. I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. That works. They all serve a purpose. Or there's a dashboard that does stuff. It's all going to be based upon your needs because in the branding and marketing and advertising industry, each agency has a difference. Or maybe it's a button on your thing that says campaign. You just press the, the C button on your keyboard and this amazing campaign pops up. Like Staples? Yeah, exactly. The easy button. Yeah, I love it. But I don't think there's one. You can't solve one because as soon as you solve it, like, like for example, I used to teach at Concordia University. And part of my thing was, well, first of all is, as soon as the kids came in with their school books and said, hey, send those back to Amazon because those are extraordinarily dated. I mean, they were like 10, 15, 20 years back and basically got new books. But the other thing is, is a lot of the technologies have changed since those books were written. I said, we're going we're gonna to learn Periscope. For every part of the project is you have to do a live Periscope and you have to send me a link to it. Okay, that went well until it went array because you get these weird people on periscopes and a lot of the female students were like getting in bad conversations they didn't want to go to. And it's like, okay, well that didn't work. That was a technology that I think was cool. I think it was very valid, but didn't work out. Me, what do you think of Clubhouse? I know about it and it's very interesting because Elon Musk is on it and it was kind of what Anchor was supposed to be, but Anchor pivoted into actual podcasting, which then Spotify bought Anchor. So I did Anchor when it was beta form. It was basically just a small audio blogging type of Uh app. That's what it was made for. And then it pivoted and now Clubhouse is kind of doing that, but also kind of doing more of a confined podcasting basically because it's all audio. Right. Now, I signed up for it. Doesn't mean I actually got in, but I signed up for it just because I want to try everything, but I have to wait because they're small and they're growing and you got always like deploy your stuff and then stack up. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I was on one on Sunday morning and it calls cars and coffee and the level of people, I mean, sea level people of major OEM manufacturers were on it. I was like, I was just blown away by the level of people on it and the conversations. And they'd always start the conversation saying, well, there's a lot of stuff I can't share, but I can share this. So they say the stuff they they can share, but then they do these little teasers of the stuff they can't share, which gets you like really focused more. So as a voyeur of this, I'm like, okay, well, I want to learn more about it. So I did my research and I follow up that way and I get more connected to that brand is there was a very top level person that's working on the Hummer EV program on it. And I was like, going, 
some of the things they were saying, I was like, oh my God, it does. I, was, I, I mean, it got me sucked into the brand. Then I went to the website, saw Michelle Costa and said, no, not going to do it this. But it's just, it connected with me. Yeah, they're trying to be, I would say, almost the AMA 2.0, but a little bit more, yeah. I'd say raw. Because AMAs aren't as raw. They're just kind of just this fun little, ask me anything. Sure. Right. I think it's that. The other thing I'm kind of seeing, I think we're running tangents a bit, but MySpace. Have you looked at MySpace lately? have not looked since the redesign, the second redesign or third. I don't remember. I mean, they've been doing a whole bunch of different things for so long. It's looking pretty cool. It's looking, it's, it's, it's something it's don't take it in the back of the barn yet and shoot it. I predict MySpace is going to come out. MySpace started very analog and they organically became digital. I think they're going to come out and kill it. Just my opinion. I don't have anything to back up from it. It's just my gut reaction on it. It's going to be really interesting. So don't discount MySpace. Can MySpace be a, a level of Clubhouse, Instagram, YouTube, open source? I think it can. This technology and what's happening nowadays? I think so. All right. Well, any final thoughts for listeners? <laughs> Wow. I know we covered a lot, Brett. I think my final thoughts are is that this 2021 is a, a year of clarity and consistency. If you don't have clarity in your marketing, you're going to be wasting two things. You're going to be wasting time and you're going to be wasting your money. If you don't have consistency, you're going to be wasting your time and your money. So, I'm okay if you guys just want to send me money. Totally fine. I can give you a Venmo account. Totally okay with that. But the idea is, I'll split it with you, Brett. How's that sound? All right. Sounds good to me. We're going to build Brett's magical coffee. How's that sound? Make a million. But the, the thing is, is that clarity and consistency is so important. And um, without clarity and without consistency, it's going to be just, you're going to be fighting uphill on roller skates. All right, so don't fight uphill. Well, just don't waste your money because I feel like if I wasted my money, I'd be upset. Yeah, and the best part is, is that we have technologies here that you could do a live stream and instamatically you can shoot it out to 20 sources. So it can be your social, it can be your YouTube, it can be websites, it could be email lists, everything. So. I see it going more digital, but I also see some parts going more analog. I think books are going to be like actual books are going to be a thing again because people are going to be tired of digital. Because the problem is these past two years, we've done all digital that people are going to be like, okay, I don't really want to do this anymore. So I'm going to, we're going to start seeing a little bit more of a, a balance again, but I'm not really quite sure what balance it's going to be, but there's going to be some type of balance. I think, Events are going to be huge because people are like, finally, I can go travel and do things. And we're going to see a huge resurgence of all of that because you can't stay cooped up forever. I think podcasting is eventually going to go live too. I think it's going to basically going to be what radio is right now, but just for more of the younger generation, we just got to find that live aspect of it because a lot of places haven't done that. They've been focused on the analytics side of it. 
So a lot of podcasting companies are all about the analytics and I'm like, that's great and all guys, but the better features are going live, doing live streaming audio. Cause you can do it. It's a lot easier than doing live streaming video because it's not as much bandwidth. It was interesting over the summer is yeah. we made a visit to the eSports arena in Santa Ana. Have you been there? I've been there I think three or four times, one for just whatever and two for or three for work. Yeah. That place is amazing. I mean, it's just like, it's an arena for eSports. I mean, personally is I'm not a gamer. I like gaming, but it's just not my space. I walk in that place, I'm going, this is a candy shop for gamers. I mean, the place was amazing. Unfortunately, three stories, um, probably 1,500 square feet, amazing stage. I mean, the gaming consoles with the most comfortable chairs. I was actually going to take one of those chairs with me. It was like pretty cool. They closed down. They had to close down the one in Oakland because of the riots. And you know what is? it's sad because... That's a business that got beaten down with a lot of potential and a lot of investment to get to that point. So I also think esports is going to have a huge hiccups these past few years because a lot of them just don't know what to do because they rely on arenas too. Mm-hmm. Well, like for example, my nephew is on. There's Discord. What's, what's that esports? So that's more chat. Social platform. For what specifically? There's gamers playing and people watch them and make comments. Oh, well, there's like Twitch, there's YouTube gaming. Yeah, Twitch. He does Twitch five days a week, and he makes $6,000 a week just playing Twitch. And people make his comments, and they go through the whole thing. I mean, who would have known that you could go to college, get a business degree, and all of a sudden you're just doing that part-time, and he's got the rest of the days off. I mean, he does it three hours a day. And I think he, I think his shift is like 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. He's got the rest of the day ready to go. Yep. Not a bad gig. No, if you can get the audience, it's not a bad gig. The problem is a lot of people can't get the audience because, it's, I mean, Twitch is big. So yeah. you really have to fight through the clutter. Right. But there are key people in Twitch that are influencers that have risen to the top. Yeah. The 20%, they get 80% of the traffic. And I look at that. I look at Discord and what the idea in Discord is, you know what? There's influencers there. You know, it's like, I remember, you know, like, gosh, what was it? VidCom, which was all the video creators out there. And I went to the very first one in Beverly Hills years ago. And I'll never forget it. It's like, it was like, wow, there's a whole industry here. But as marketers, we don't have to do that. We just have to be able to connect that company, that consumer, through that media vehicle on it and let them do their magic. Like, for example, we're working with an influencer in Barcelona, Spain right now. And she is um, she has a very consistent um, following. They listen, they learn, they teach, they buy, whatever she's recommending because they have trust in her that they know that she's not going to recommend something that she doesn't really believe in. And if you want to be like her, you just have to buy that product or do that thing or be a part of that, you know? So. Yeah. Influencers and podcasters and everything else that's going to happen in between is probably the future for most marketing on the online digital space plus with ads. But I feel like 
the more connection or the better connection you can get, the better the ad's going to be. All right. I mean, who's your favorite podcasters? Mm, I like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Okay, good. Okay, we're on the same. Joe Rogan throws it out for real. And the thing is, is that he just makes magic happen. Did you see the Elon Musk interview with him? I haven't got around to it, but I know he, this is the second one with Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. I got to get to the first one. The first one is like, you know, when they're talking about his flamethrower, the whole thing, he just rocked it. He just rocked it. But people will buy in to that. And people, Joe Rogan probably has half the amount of listeners you have on your show, but he's still doing good. Not a bad deal. So he's able to figure out the magic and he's able to create the, the theater of the mind and the mystery and not be afraid to ask those questions. It's almost like that modern day Howard Stern kind of thing. So, but the other question is like, who's after that Joe Rogan? Who's that next, next? And that's gonna be where the media falls. And then the other is like, how do you make these? So these, they're not pitching, 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 pitching. Because if you're anything like me, it's like if someone's saying, Oh yeah, by the way, I only eat this and I do this and this is the car I drive and this is how I do this. And it's like, okay, this is one big commercial. But then again, how do you do it subtly? How do you make it so it just works? And how do you make it so it doesn't affect me negatively, but it's still cool and I'm accepting of it? So important. Yeah, Joe Rogan, definitely. I mean, there's gaming influencers out there that have their podcasts. And you know what? They're passionate about it. They're, they get it. They get it like no one else does. And that, that's the most important thing is just like that having influencers in your media buy is so important. All right. That was a long final thoughts. I'm sorry, Brett. I, I could talk forever. I mean, on this subject, <laughs> I'm very passionate about branding and marketing. So I can, I can talk forever. So, and that's a good segue saying we can have you back on the podcast again. You know your stuff, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being on our podcast and giving us all this great information about advertising and branding and all the other fun stuff. Great. Oh, you're perfect. Anything you need, just let me know. So all right. love what you do. And I can't wait to listen to all your other podcasts and 2021. I'm sure it's going to be a different story than 2020. So yes. And on that segue, but thank you for listening to PR 360. Really appreciate it. As always, please subscribe to PR 360 on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon music. Leave a review. Help us with the rankings and let us know how we're doing. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Find that great advertising strategy and see you next week later